Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Please Elaborate podcast. Today, we have a wonderful, incredible guest. I am so excited because I've known her for, gosh, I want to say eight years, maybe. We <laughs> we met back when I was in college in New York City, and we've just recently reconnected on the internet. The one and only Aladara Adio. She is a wow. psychotherapist and author of Self-Care for, Self -care for Black Women, she is passionate about helping people, especially Black women, improve their overall wellness. Before becoming a clinical social worker, Aludara worked as a writer and editor. She has been an associate web editor for Cosmopolitan and the managing editor at XXL. Aludara lives in Los Angeles, California, and Affirmations for Black Women, a journal, is her second book coming out pretty soon, right? Yes, Yay. next month. Welcome. Oh, well, this month. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. We're yes, recording, it's December. <laughs> we're recording this in December. So this is yes. coming out in the new year. So it will actually already be out by the time you listen yes. to this. I'll link yes. that for everyone. Now mm -hmm. I call you Dara. Is that what yes. you go by? Is that cool? That's fine. Okay. That's fine. Cool. Um, the, I go by Oladara because um, when I moved, you know, because like you mentioned, we met in New York and then yes. I moved to LA. Um, I was going to school for my master's in social work and I'm a registered associate clinical social worker. So you have to register your full government name. So it was almost <laughs> so like stuck. I was like, yeah, and I'm just like changing careers change. So it was just like, yeah, let me reclaim my name and you know, I love it. <laughs> now you actually have kind of a hyphenated career because you are an author you're an editor, you're a journalist, but you're also a TikTok star with a, <laughs> uh, you know, a measly audience of 112,000 followers. She is known, you might know her as, <laughs> do you want to give your, your TikTok username? Yes, I am the CEO of Bad Bunny Bonnet Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> If you if you're not following Bad Bunny Bonnet Chronicles on TikTok, I don't know what you're doing with your life. They are the funniest videos. Do you want to explain to everyone what that is? Because I know we'll talk yes. about mental health through this podcast. Yes. Plug this well, account, please. Yeah. You know, I mean, my TikTok started out as just like a fun thing to do. It started out as self-care. It started as a form of mental health, honestly, like release for me. It was like a coping skill. Um, and um I'm also learning Spanish and I love Bad Bunny. I've loved him since 2016. Um, and uh, he released an album at the top of the year or well in May. And I had discovered the lyrics. I decided like, let me actually learn these lyrics. Cause I honestly just was singing along to what I could hear and understand. Yeah. Um, but then I decided to look up the lyrics and I asked one of my friends who is, uh, he's Mexican. So he's a native Spanish speaker. He was, and I asked him, is this the correct translation for this song? And he was like, yeah. That's actually correct. And you know, Spanish is a language you can say a lot with a little. Yep. You can get away with saying some of the most <laughs> raunchiest lyrics. Does not um, translate well to English. Does not translate translate well to English. And so then I just decided to make a video about it. And then that blew up. And then people were like, do more songs. Like, you know, oh my they're God. like, they're like talk about more songs. And then it just spirals. And and honestly, I believe online is like community creation so I, I believe in being online for like content and community yes. and so um you know it just spiraled with me interacting with the people in my community and someone was like oh my god you need, you need to put CEO of Bad Bunny Bonnet Chronicles in your bio 
I was like, you know what? Okay, okay. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. I'm going to a concert later this year. Let me just do it. And I just, I don't know. I just think it's fun. And I think, yeah, that's just my approach to TikTok. Like just to have fun. I'm Um, obsessed. And so I love it. (laughs) I am so obsessed with your TikTok. It is my favorite thing. And I remember we were talking about this right before we pressed record where I was on TikTok just scrolling and your video was like suggested for you. And I was like, Dara? (laughs) <laughs> like I like froze and I was like oh my god I know her I know her and it just was a total fangirl moment so if you're not following bad bad bunny bonnet chronicles please do so immediately um, but in this podcast we're going to be talking about mental health specifically mental health for black women because you have really positioned yourself as an expert and a voice of authority in this field with what you do so to start off, do you want to do you want to start by telling us a little bit about what you do in your day to day? Yeah. So by day, I am a psychiatric <laughs> social worker. I'm a therapist. I'm a psychotherapist. Um, I work in a clinic with people who are unhoused, having substance issues, severe mental illnesses, and um, I deal with that. You know, forty hours a week. Um, And so I primarily do work with um, black and brown folks um, just because, you know, as we know, disparities, that tends to be the group that is poor or, you know, just less, just unfortunate. And um, yeah, so that's what I do during the day. And obviously by night I do TikTok, but I also, (laughs) you know, I write these books and the way that came about was, you know, I, my first career was as a journalist. And then when I decided to do social work, because I was burnt out by media and New York, um, as you know, (laughs) I was burnt out by that. And I just entered a new journey of social work. I was like, you know, let me try something else. And as I began my journey into social work, um, as I was in school, I began looking at all this research and I went into school wanting to focus on black people. And even as I got further into my studies, I was like, you know, I think I want to really focus on black women. I mean, there is one, I am a black woman Two, um, my mother had passed away in 2013. And like, mm-hmm. when I look back at her life and, you know, just really began to reflect on our relationship and the things she experienced in life I was just honestly like I don't think my mom ever took care of herself Mm -hmm. and it was almost like intergenerational healing for me to go on this self-care journey um because while my mom she passed away from an illness but you know and we're not necessarily responsible for our illnesses but like I definitely feel like some of our actions and behaviors and lifestyle can exacerbate the the illnesses that are in our bodies. So, um, you know, I learned to work hard and ignore my needs for my mom. And I, I began to see that that was a common thing amongst my black women friends and the black women in my life. And, um, yeah, so it just honestly like fueled my interest in, uh, black women in our health. And then yeah. um, my publisher, they found me and they were like, hey, you used to be an editor. Now you're a social worker. You might be perfect for this assignment. And I've, I've definitely just, a story. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I've just been vocal online about wow. it because, because I noticed that like, you know, I had a social work mentor who said that she's like, she was black. She's like, you know, no one else is 
gonna be as vocal about this unlike our people so yeah. you need to just be vocal about it and that's like any group you belong to right like you're gonna be the strongest voice for yeah. your group yeah and so I decided I would take that on and um you know almost like legacy work so yes which kind of brings me to my next question for you is when we talk about mental health uh, and you've, you've pivoted yourself as speaking up for and really an advocate for Black women in mental health. How are Black women typically left out of the conversation surrounding mental health, aka yeah. uh, what and who are white people not seeing when we talk about mental health? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think um, I often think that with Black women, they are underestimating the impact of like microaggressions mm-hmm. and just day-to-day slight racism that Black women may experience and how that actually impacts our wellness. And I, and you know, like someone could say something like, oh, wow. Or I'll give an example. So let's say you're in the store and someone comes up to you and thinks you work there. And it's like, you think I work here because I'm Black. And like, wow, that's like just a, that can be perceived as like a, oh, that's just a, a little silly thing. They made a mistake. The impact it has on a black woman's mentality is really, really strong because now you're having to use all this energy to undo the emotions you feel with that. Like yeah. the anger of like, why would you assume I work here to, you know, why are you disrupting my time? You know? Um, so Um, When Black women experience microaggressions, when they experience racism, discrimination, uh, there's a lot of energy that goes into just trying to regulate the emotion, regulate how you're feeling, and that takes away from doing other things, and so... I often feel like that's often ignored and not understood. And so that's that's why a lot of Black women try to create these safe spaces because you just don't want to deal with that. At the end of the day, you just don't want to have to deal with these microaggressions that may yeah. seem like a big deal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. What, what I'm already hearing white people say in response <laughs> is, well you interpret it that way it might not be our intention and you're what you're Mm -hmm. saying is no it's the fact that we literally have to consider it as a possibility Mm -hmm. as a Mm -hmm. black woman that's where the exhaustion is coming from regardless of what the motive was it's having to continually take into consideration that your race might have caused you to be exactly than you want it to be exactly exactly a lot of admittedly a lot of white people including myself often miss in this Mm -hmm. conversation and make it Mm -hmm. about us and mm-hmm. saying, but we meant, and that's not the issue. The issue is no. having to even consider it. So right, right, exactly. It's like the the intent versus impact right. thing. It's like you may have not intended to be um, racist in your comment, right. but the impact is still really strong. Still there, because at the core of what a lot of like black women go through um at the core of our stress is being dehumanized and it's almost like not being seen as human not being seen beyond your black skin so like a lot of my work is like i want black women to be to recognize that they are just regular because even when we are succeeding it's like oh my god she's a super woman strong black woman you know like so it's like we're either being dehumanized or we're being put on a pedestal that is just Mm. so unrealistic to meet and I want to bring us to a middle ground where it's like, 
you are a normal person. You're allowed to have these feelings. What you went through is valid. Um, you're allowed to be compassionate with yourself. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of where a lot of my like intention with that. the work I do lies. So well said. Um, additionally, kind of going off of that as a psychiatric social worker, what inequalities do you regularly see in your field that some people might not know exist? We talk, we talked a little bit about this when I interviewed Dr. Stacy Walton in the healthcare world. And I said, Stacy, what, in, what inequalities do you see that the average person might not see in your field? And I want to toss that to you as well. Mm. <laughs> Sips drink. <laughs> Let me think about this. Um, access. I will say okay. like access to mental health, mm -hmm. um, access to the right mental health. Um, I definitely advocate for Black women to see a Black woman therapist. But then when we look at the system, there aren't a lot of Black women therapists because uh, getting a degree is expensive right. or trying to get into the field is not as easy. Um, and so trying to get access to adequate mental health for Black women is sometimes just really, really hard. And um, that's not to say that anyone who isn't Black can't treat Black women, because I think you can definitely be, not be Black and be like culturally aware. Um, but sometimes there is just a shared experience. When you see someone sure. who's like you, like the shared experience makes you bring your guard down. Yeah. Um, but, you know, trying to get access to someone who looks like you, someone who understands your experience, um, it's definitely like... A, a really strong barrier. I mean, the cost is one thing. Yeah. Like, like, while I believe everyone should see a therapist, should get mental health help, but like, sometimes, you know, people can't afford it. Yeah. And sometimes therapists are expensive. Or if you're like me, you work at a community mental health place, like you may only talk to your therapist once a month and you may be going through crisis. Um, and um, there's also just a lot of mistrust amongst Black people with the healthcare system. Um, right. And so sometimes that's like something they don't want to access that care. Okay. Um, but yeah. Mistrusting the therapists and yeah, the well, whole idea of mental health. Of mental health, yeah. And um, just because as a collective Black people across the African diaspora just through history we've been taught to kind of just deal with stuff on our own um, but that also comes like we didn't have access to those things right um, we weren't allowed to do certain things you know um so yeah there may be some like stigma in got the it. community yeah um when it comes to that so got it and overall either distrust or or caution of when approaching mental health healthcare mm -hmm. systems mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah, that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I want to pivot to your personal story for a little bit because mm -hmm. you recently wrote an article for Women's Health where you described your personal journey of realizing the importance of self-care. And you said, for so long, racism and sexism, aka misogynoir, mm -hmm. told Black women that we cannot sit down and rest because we must work twice as hard to be respected and rewarded. Can you share a little of your journey of discovering this and how it affects Black women today? Yeah, you know, the the thing is, is that, and some people might not like to hear this, white mediocrity is treated 
with a high esteem versus black mediocrity like black people aren't allowed to be mediocre at, at a lot of things mm. because already people who have biases towards black people will see them as like not deserving of whatever opportunity and so we'll give it give them a harder time to do something so that's why we always feel like oh well you have to be twice as hard like so now they can't even um question your skills get the degree get the straight a's get the money like so now they can't even question you um and so when you do that that builds up a level of like trying to like be perfect and um trying to just do everything right and believing if you follow these um steps you'll get the respect you want you'll be treated as equal in society and the truth of the matter is like it's just not reality sometimes Sometimes. And exhausting. It's exhausting. Exhausting. <laughs> exhausting. And like, you know, in my previous career, like I definitely experienced some like workplace discrimination towards the end of my career at one of my jobs. Mm -hmm. And it was like, when I came into my job as an assistant, I was like doing everything. I was making the T's were crossed eyes were dotted then this 20 something white girl gets the same position I had two years prior and she's messing up she's not doing anything, anything right and she's giving grace and it's like she's mm. given all the grace in the world and given all the opportunity meanwhile you know when I first entered the job it was like you had to be on top of it to not give them a reason to let you go um, just because they already didn't think that maybe you didn't belong there so there's always that kind of level of thinking yeah. Um, with black women, when you enter, uh, out for work, like when you enter yeah. a workspace or school or whatever, like there's always just that level of like, oh God, I gotta do this right to not to prove them wrong. Yeah. Um, kind of, and that's exhausting because that means you're on defense mode. And again, it's the extra energy that you're putting out, whether as you could, if you were not black, you could just walk in and you know, no one push puts their expectations on you or their projections right. on you. So in your workplace, which should be a place that you can clock in, clock out, it shouldn't be your every waking moment and thought for mm -hmm. black women. I'm hearing you say that it is something where you have to try and make, you know, 10 out of 10, hundred percent effort every single day, whereas yeah. white women might be able to just go in, give, give what they can and then go home and have the rest of their lives to themselves. Yes. You're trying your your very, very best every single day, going above and beyond in your job. And then you're probably exhausted then going into the rest of your life because yes. you left it all, you left nothing on the cutting floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. That's a really helpful perspective that I don't think I personally had ever really considered as well. Kind of this being the exceptional minority mm -hmm. um, having to stand out more than than white women do in the space. Mm -hmm. um, later on in that article, you said self-care is a form of resistance for black women. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Yeah. What does that mean for you personally? Yeah. yeah, for me personally, it means that I am taking off my cape. Uh, when it comes to being a strong black woman, I'm taking off the burden of having to prove myself to work twice as hard to get half as far. Um, it means I'm like embracing taking care of myself uh in ways that the people who were behind me ancestors <laughs> yeah the way my ancestors you know yeah. how they never got a chance to do that um 
And I just refuse to, to live a life filled with stress. And obviously we can't avoid stress, right? But I just am actively refusing to allow um, racism, sexism, misogynoir, which is what that's called um, because um, the sidebar, it's like what we see in the way like Serena Williams is treated versus mm -hmm. her white counterparts. Like, you know, the goalpost is always moved for Serena Williams in the tennis field. Well, she's retired now, but like the goalpost was always moved for her. Um, and people always had something to say about her. And that's just because people have an internal bias about Black women yeah. and also women. So mm -hmm. misogynoir. But um, yeah, so I just lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? You were talking about how your idea of the form of resistance for Black women, and I don't want to speak for you, but is the idea of taking off your cape. You're, you're not... Yes. From what I'm understanding, yes. elaborate on that a little bit yes, more. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so yes. So like, it's a resistance because, you know, as Black people, we protest and, you know, Black Lives Matter and all these things, these are active protests, but also taking care of yourself is another form of protest, is another form of resistance because you're going against the way society wants you to be. Because the way the world is structured, the way it is built, it is built to oppress black women and to bring them down and not have them succeed. So if you are actively choosing to prioritize self-care and your well-being, you are resisting against the system and ultimately putting yourself first and putting your wellness first and hopefully embracing a better, more cozy life. More cozy life, she says in her robe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can't care for others if you don't care for yourself, that whole idea. Mm -hmm. um, okay, my last question for you is, what is one thing you've learned over the last few years, I guess, in your journey being in this space? What's mm -hmm. one thing you've learned that you'd want to share with our listeners? Specifically, you can speak specifically mm -hmm. to Black women or any listeners. Um, I would say the one thing I've learned over this last couple of years is to be real with yourself. Get real so you can heal and live authentically. Um, that means being in tune with your intuition. That means doing the work that requires, that's gonna require you to get to know yourself better. Let go of whatever expectations you've been, that's been put on you from childhood because all of us, no matter our race or gender, we come from homes and lives that where our parents made us feel like we had to be a certain way. Um, and I feel like I've learned that it is important to do your intuition work to learn who you are so you can honestly just live the life that you want to versus the life that you think you should, yeah. um, which is what happened with me. I was like, I feel like I should be an editor. I should be a journalist. I should be working in magazines, but it doesn't feel right and I hate it. So why am I continuing this path? Let me go down another path. And now it's almost like my life has come full circle because now I'm writing again. Yeah. And of course I love writing. That's why I got into journalism. And it taught me to not be afraid to just, okay, well, restart. Let's start over. Like, you know, and I feel like that's something I want to encourage people to do. It's like, yeah. listen to yourself. What do you want to do with your life? Go do it. Mm. And mic drop. 
like, what do you want to do? That's literally like, I felt convicted by that. I was like, what are you doing with your life? Go, whatever you want to do, go do it. That's the mm-hmm. perfect way to end this podcast. <laughs> um, okay, I lied. My last question is, where can people find you? TikTok and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am Oludara Adio, my first name, my last name, on all social media po- social media platforms. I am Oludara Adio. Um, I'm only active really on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. I'm trying to be more active on Twitter, but if you want to have fun with me, TikTok. TikTok. Uh, yeah. yeah, Instagram. It's stuffy, but I'm trying. It's I am a different trying. space. It's a it's different space. So different. So different, but I am going to attempt to bring some of the bonnet to TikTok. Yes. I mean, to Instagram. I'm going to bring some of the TikTok bonnet to Instagram. Um, But I love TikTok because everyone's a little bit kooky over there. Yes. I just feel like it's a a different audience. Like, Mm -hmm. I swear that the people that follow me on Instagram versus TikTok, there is no overlap. Those are completely different audiences. It completely different because yes. I don't always follow the people on TikTok on Instagram. I recently yeah. have because whatever, but like I personally feel like I love TikTok because also the audience is engaging. Instagram, yes. they're not so much. And I, I think that also has to do with the Instagram algorithm. Like Insta- with TikTok, you're interacting with a bunch of strangers. Yes. Um, Instagram Any content creators listening, uh, we want your feedback. Are we alone yeah. in this? Like these are two yeah. different audiences and two I don't care what anyone says. It is so, so true. Different. It's uh, but so follow true. Bad Bunny Bonnet Chronicles, yes. please. Yes. You yes. have to. <laughs> um, we also are going to be giving away a copy of Self-Care for Black Women and Affirmations for Black Women, a journal, which uh, it's it's not available yet while we're recording, is it? Because we're recording on the 1st of December, 2nd of December. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be out by the time you listen to this, head over to our podcast. I mean, head over to our Instagram for information on how you and a friend can win a copy of those. I've already got a couple of the books, uh, the first book, but I need to order the second, to, the second two when they come out. So head to our Instagram for instructions. If you and a friend want to win a copy of these books by Dara and thank you so much for thank joining you. us today. You have been an absolute joy to chat with and I hope to see you soon. Yes.